Hello and welcome to Tech Talks, the People and Planet podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by Tim Lohomadu, the Senior Vice President at Health Tech Business, Atlas Health. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm doing great, Lee. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. This is going to be excellent, I'm sure of it. Um, let's start at the start, Tim. Um, Atlas Health, talk us through the, the problem that that business is solving with the mission. Um, and perhaps, if you can, what's inspired that as well? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to. So I think just, I know you've got a, a wide variety of listeners, both inside and outside of the U.S. So um, for those that are outside of the U.S., the, the U.S. has a very unique healthcare system in which the facilities and the providers are largely privately owned. And health insurance is obtained through a variety of mechanisms. Uh, I would say the big three are either employers, mm -hmm. uh, private purchase, or through government-based programs like Medicare or Medicaid. And overall, most of our patients are going to have a substantial out-of-pocket financial responsibility for the medical services or prescriptions that, that they're prescribed or recommended. And as a result, there's going to be financial obstacles, which we find impact access, affordability, and financial toxicity. And that last one, financial toxicity, is really been something that's being more, more studied. In, in essence, what it is, is the harmful effect that high-cost medical care can have on a person's quality of life. And they found that that, that stress of having to pay the medical debt actually impacts the clinical outcomes of, of the service. And so um, I think the good news in the U.S. is that there are thousands of philanthropic programs mm -hmm. which provide patient assistance. And this philanthropic aid market, uh, also commonly known as, as patient assistance programs, has billions of dollars available. However, um, the challenge is that money is spread across thousands of different programs, each with their own eligibility criteria, funding mechanism. And so you can imagine if you are a patient who's in need of trying to, to find some element of financial support for an upcoming medical service, yeah. um, tapping into that market can be incredibly intimidating, complex, and you know, where do you start? And so we've really approached this uh, to try to solve the problem with technology. And okay. we partner with healthcare providers in the US who leverage our technology or tech-enabled services to effectively screen all of their patients for eligible patient assistance in this market. And we automate many of the manual processes, including eligibility screening, application submissions, and post-enrollment workflow. And so, you know, largely the, the service and, and technology has been really well received by providers who are now able to support their patients' financial responsibilities and also um, maybe selfishly cover their services as well. Because when patients come to providers in the U.S., oftentimes uh, the service can be rendered and then a bill is sent to the patient, sometimes 60, 90 days post-service. And so that puts pressure on the patient, but also the providers looking to recoup their costs in the service. Yeah, of course. So, and, you know, of course, we 
sort of covered the, the business element or the financial side of this scenario. But uh, I think what really drives our company is the philanthropic nature of it is okay. our team, our people, our technology really is making a difference in, in people's lives. Really, really interesting. So uh, if you could just kind of unwrap the, the, the people that are involved in this then. So, so how, how do you qualify for the philanthropic aid and, and how many people is that roughly? Yeah, when you think about the 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 amount of money, there's about thirty billion dollars spread across twenty something thousand programs, and so somewhat of finding a needle in a haystack, so to speak, for for patients. A lot of stakeholders, I think, have health literacy issues. Um, they're focused on trying to get back to work. They've been diagnosed with a, a challenging uh, cancer or some other chronic condition. And the last thing I think all of us, when we're having and going through that, want to do is research on how do I pay for the services and prescriptions and drugs that I need to get better. And so what we've in essence done is we, we have a cloud-based platform and we start by ingesting key pieces of data from our providers, electronic health records and other ancillary platforms. Uh, we utilize some complex logic and matching engine rules to intelligently match the patients to the most suitable and appropriate programs. And this removes that big manual process of either patients independently searching for programs online uh, or what we see commonly in the US is that is a service that the providers are rendering as part of their patient experience um, to make sure that people can afford their services and, and will pursue the therapeutic recommendations that have been made. And so um, we also leverage some robotic process automation to ensure we have an accurate status of every program available. Um, for example, one of the types of programs is a diagnosis-based assistance foundation. Okay. And that type of program provides funding or grants based on the type of diagnosis you have. And so because there's such a large demand for this money, those programs typically receive donor funds and then they're exhausted relatively quickly. And so while their eligibility criteria is fairly wide, anyone with diagnosis A, the funding dries up quickly. And so one of the things that we do within our platform and services provide some visibility as to which programs have funding and when. Yeah, okay, I get it. Um, and I think you touched on that there with the robotic processes, but I was gonna ask you around the AI. And that that you know that that would you know tell the patient which ones of these programs that they're eligible for. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, we're, we're continuing to lean into that on how we can really leverage AI and ChatGPT and some of the other newer technologies to streamline matching, streamline eligibility opportunities, um, and also leaning into the program and foundation side of the equation we've historically really been focused on the providers and patients, um, how we can connect them to the established programs, but it's really a, a two-way market. You have stakeholders, uh, drug manufacturers, uh, 501c3 foundations that are looking and have funds 
that want to support a specific type of patient, a specific drug. And so they're also interested in streamlining that process, reducing any friction on how they can support the patients and the providers in that space. And so I think with AI, we have an opportunity to maybe work both sides of that equation so that we can effectively make that um, a smoother transition and access. Got it. Got it. Thank you. Um, so, so yourself then, Tim, you are SVP of pharmacy. Where, where, where does that role fit into this whole equation? Yeah, good, good question. Um, pharmacy runs uh, deep in my blood. You can see some of the old pharmacy relics behind me here. I'm a third generation pharmacist. And um, I've spent most of my career uh, on the health system side for hospitals. Uh, it's a large integrated delivery network. And a couple of years ago, I came over to Atlas Health and I'm in essence a, a subject matter expert in this space and lead our pharmacy experts and solution architects. So we support our commercial team, uh, really enable the provider clients to better understand how our platform can support their organization and strategic initiatives. Uh, I also do a fair amount of, of presentations and public speaking to, to raise awareness around the opportunity in this space. And I think my experience in, in healthcare in the pharmacy industry also allows me to provide some insight uh, and engage with our product team on new initiatives. We just talked about some of the opportunities to, to maybe serve more as a comprehensive marketplace to connect patients and programs. Um, so certainly that's part of my day-to-day my -day role as well. Very interesting. Hopefully we can touch on that a little bit later on as well. But just just be, just before that, I'm, I'm keen to understand where you guys have come from. So, you know, the, the business was founded only four years ago, 2019. Of course, there's been a lot going on in the world since then. Um, but you guys were already, I think you're at 100 employees, roughly. Um, it's never plain sailing with startups. Talk us through the challenges and how you've um, how you've hurdled those. Yeah, I think just from a from a starting point, uh, our founder had some friends um, who were going through some medical challenges and had some affordability issues, and they went on social media to raise money to to actually access the care they needed. And I think that really touched him, thinking, you know, we're living in uh, a developed country in the United States, and there's a pretty large insurance structure healthcare system, yet someone that I know that is, is successful is having to raise money from friends and family in order to support uh, medical care that's essential to their health. And so as he dug in, I think he found that there was this market and this, this fragmentation on, you know, how do we help support some of the patients that are, are falling into this space? And so we've certainly had our fair share of uh, headwinds as well as tailwinds. Um, one of the challenges more recently in this market has been some of the health plans and pharmacy benefit managers are actually modifying the plan designs to take advantage of the patient assistance market for the plan rather than the patients themselves. And as, as anyone knows, any loophole is, is going to be exposed. And what that's doing is creating um in essence a funneling of the available funds towards the plans 
and prescription drug plans rather than the patients themselves. And so now you have uh, a contracted supply scenario with an even larger demand. And the programs that provide the money have responded. Um, several of the drug manufacturers have modified their eligibility criteria or cut back uh, on their copay structures or the free and replacement drugs that they provide. Um, and so that's created more demand on the diagnosis based assistance foundations, given a portion of the programs have cut back their available supply. Wow, okay. So that's been a challenge for us. Yeah, of course it would. I can see um, that. Um, lastly, and just going back to what you touched on before, you know, what's next? And, and I think this goes back to your own position. Um, what can you tell us that's exciting coming up? Yeah, you know, we, we touched on some of the headwinds there. We've also yeah, had some tailwinds. Uh, the CMS, uh, Center for Medicare Services, which in essence oversees um, some of the large governmental programs in the U.S. has actually put out um, some mandatory regulatory metrics that are around health equity, uh, deemed the hospital commitment to health equity. They really want healthcare providers in the U.S. to do a better job at addressing some of the healthcare disparities across our country. And so um, that combined with some of the accrediting bodies in the healthcare space have also put out similar health equity metrics. And so what used to be more of a, of a philanthropic mission-based element for providers in the U.S. To, to support their patients in this space is now becoming more of a compliance and, and required activity. Okay. And so that's, I think, great for both the country, the patients, um, obviously, we view ourselves as a, as a key partner in this space as folks are looking to ramp up their service, their infrastructure. How are they going to execute on some of these asks from CMS and accrediting bodies? And so um, on our front, you know, we're trying to make sure that that we position our product and services in a space where uh, our, our users can use this more in line. Right now, we have a cloud-based platform which works really well, but ideally, we'd like to have that embedded in the applications that the variety of our users are using today, so they're not having to move out of, out of their workflow or out of an application. They can stay within the electronic health record, pharmacy management system, whatever they're using today to do that. Um, I think another big piece that we see is um, combining some of the other activities that go into the access and affordability equation, most notably prior authorization. And for those that aren't familiar with that, in essence, um, the payers uh, have utilization criteria for specific medical services or encounters that they've deemed need to be met in order for the service or prescription to be covered. And a lot of times the prior authorization and the patient assistance go hand in hand because depending on the outcome of the prior authorization will dictate the patient's out-of-pocket responsibility, the coverage, and what type of support structures needed. So we're going to be bringing a, a prior authorization solution along with our patient assistance product here shortly. Oh, wow. 
Interesting. And what's, what's the timescales of those then? Yeah, we're going to have the patient assistance uh, offering here in the next month. So we're, we're excited about that, both for medical benefit, so for the authorization, authorizations that are needed on the medical side, uh, as well as on the pharmacy side. And then um, I think moving forward into 2024, how can we create that more inline seamless workflow structure within the platform? Really interesting stuff. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. It's all we've got time for. Um, guys, this has been Tim Lahamadou from uh, Atlas Health. Tim, thank you. Thanks, Lee.